Let's see. Did I flip the switch right? All right. I don't think Luke even flinched. <laughs> He's he, as cool as a cu cucumber. He just goes whoop, like that. That's it. So anyway, no fooling, no fooling that guy. So when he comes, our glorious king, all his ransom home to bring, then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah, what a savior. Anyway, that what a great song. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful savior he is. We are grateful for him and grateful for all that uh, you have given to us through him, all that you have made us, how you have changed us through him. Thank you for the great hope that we have because of him and uh, the great salvation that he provides. Thank you for this time that we're together, that we can sing praises to you and uh, that we can learn from your word. And we ask that you would help us to do so uh, even now. And, and so we praise and thank you and ask for your help as we study your word in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we had a great time at camp, except there were a couple of junior camp girls that gave us fits. Oh, hi, girls. Sorry. Let's see. Are they the only junior campers here? Yes. Well, Mira, though, got second place in our notebook contest, didn't you? Excellent. Well done. Uh, she was just about 1% uh, off from the, uh, the, the first place gal, so it was great. Ashlyn, sorry, you didn't get second place or first, but anyway, we, we was glad, glad you could be with us all, all, uh, all week. So it was a great time, and we appreciate you praying for everybody uh, there. I got to see Tanner a lot and didn't really get to uh, chat too much, but uh, nice to see. You. I got to see Mike and who else was there? Oh, and, and this guy, I saw him a lot, but he was not with me. Saw them a lot. Anybody else? Um, but it was a great week, wasn't it? And uh, we appreciate y'all pray, praying for the camp and uh, praying for my uh, brother-in-law, as mentioned earlier. Thank you for that. So one funny thing, uh, it's only very slightly. So don't, you don't have to, you don't have to LOL at it or anything like that. You don't have to laugh out loud at it or anything. It's just it's a chuckler at best. But I did, did think it was kind of funny. I was carrying something to my car and uh, I walk up to my car and oh, oh shoot. There's, there's a dent in my bumper. I had never seen this dent before. I, oh, somebody pulled out, bumped into my car. I wish they would have told me, you know, so I get my key fob out. Oh, great. My key fob's not working either. <laughs> then I realized mine is not the only tan SUV in the parking lot. Recently, it was much worse. Recently, I actually pulled the handle of the car thinking it was mine. Fortunately, no, no, no alarm or anything, no harm done. But um, my wife, except for my wife looking on and mocking me for it. <laughs> I do have a friend who went even further. She actually got into somebody else's car, sat down and got, wait, is that somebody here? Oh, I didn't know. Was that you, Jan? Well, that's right. I think Eric told me about that. You weren't the one I was thinking of. It's somebody else. But so 
Nancy, did you do it too? Or do we? You know what's a, it'd probably be a good thing for none of us to ever learn how to hotwire a car because we, I don't have my keys, but fortunately I have this skill I learned. <laughs> we could really get in trouble. Well, this has not happened to me, and hopefully this has not happened to you that you actually come home and you walk into the wrong house. Now that could really be troublesome. Imagine this, you come home and you've had a, a hard day at work, you come home, you park the car, you get out, you walk up to the house and boy, my yard really needs, uh, the lawn really needs mowing. I, I thought it was in better shape than this and there's a lot of weeds here in the garden. I should have taken care of that. I have a lot of work to do. So you go in the house and sit down on the couch. What are strange people doing sitting in my house? And you sit down at the couch and well, you, you, you get a little hungry, so you go into the kitchen. Oh, I think my wife painted the kitchen while I was gone at work. I didn't do a very good job of it. And uh, then you go, you open the refrigerator. I'm sure I'm hungry. Oh, I, I see this cake. So you pull out the cake. I think I'll, have, I'll put, find a dish. Oh, the wife moved all the dishes. She didn't put the dishes in a very good spot, but I'll take a plate here and you set a plate down. Where are all the knives? She moved the knives too and the forks. Well, you finally find the uh, knives and forks and you pull out a knife and slice a piece of cake out. The knife is different, the plate's different too. Oh, well, my wife was really busy today. Didn't do a very good job picking out plates and knives, but uh, anyway, she, uh, you put a piece of cake down on the, on the, the, the plate and uh, oh, and then you grab a, you have to have some milk. You pull a cup down and, and find it's really dirty. So you clean off the cup and then you pour some milk and it's all lumpy and curdled. And hey, honey, you need some milk. You get a funny answer back. Boy, she doesn't sound like herself today. And uh, so you pour the milk and it's all curdled and gross and you throw it out. I'm not going to eat that, but I'll take a bite of the cake and it tastes delicious for a few seconds and then you notice it just it just feels awful and you start getting a stomach ache and so you just decide I'm going to go sit on the couch out there in the living room those strange people are still sitting there why are you in my home the couch is uncomfortable it's the springs are sticking up and causing you pain in your back and then then you notice that you're itchy What's going on? And you notice there's fleas. There's fleas in my couch and fleas in my house. I didn't know that. How long has that been the case? And then you see a mouse run by and another one. Oh, what is happening here? This is awful. And finally, the people sitting there, what are you doing in our house? Go away. We don't like you. You don't belong here. Oh, well, hold on. I like it here. I am not leaving this place. And I want to change it. I want to get rid of these mice. And they say, no, we're not getting rid of these mice. What are these things hanging from the ceiling? Those are our bats. Leave our bats alone. Leave our mice alone. Leave our bats and our fleas. We like our house this way. What about the cake? It made my stomach hurt. Well, that's all right. We like it that way. 
Don't try to change our home. This is our, our home and we don't try to change it. This is how we like it. As silly as that may be, that's kind of how it is on earth. We seem to have forgotten that this world is not our home. And it seems like Christians were always talking about this earth, life here on earth as we know it. And, uh, and so, off, so little time is spent thinking about our real home. But as the hymn says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven was not my home, oh, Lord, what would what, what I do? We'd be living in a, uh, you know, and, and, and glorying in the fleas and mice and bats that are inside our, our home, the, the, the rotten food that we eat and everything else. And, and instead, we've got a far, far greater home. That's, uh, that's our real home. And our, our greater citizenship is our citizenship in heaven. So I'd like to think about our real home. I'd like to think about heaven for our time together. It just seems to me like, like a, a whole lot of the time, Christians are, we're, we're so focused on here, the here and the now, and we're forgetting to, to be heavenly minded as well. We're going to, of course, we're going to be earthly minded. You've probably heard the phrase, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. That's hardly a risk for, for any of us. <laughs> hardly any Christians are thinking about heaven so much that they're forgetting to think about earth. Of course, we're thinking about earth. And we might, anyway, as you think about heaven, you're going to want to glorify God and, and love people so much that you're going to do good on earth for uh, other people. But anyway, we've, God has given us a, 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 actually a pretty nice world to live in. We had a nice week at camp, a lot of beautiful things in creation to look at. As I drove up from Dubuque this morning, wow, it's just a gorgeous drive. I love that. There's a lot of nice people in the world, actually a lot of good food to enjoy, a lot of good, clean, wholesome activities you can do here in this world. A lot of nice things about this world, but nothing like what we had have ahead of us. And that's our real home. So I'd like to uh, just focus on heaven and, that, and encourage you all and encourage me at the same time that we would keep heaven in our thoughts. And so let's start by turning to John chapter 14. This week at camp with the junior campers, we were focused on Jesus' what statements? Remember, ladies? Jesus' I am statements, that's right. And um, uh, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. I am the bread of life. I'm the resurrection and the life and others. And uh, in John chapter 14, we see one of my favorites, one that the world especially hates when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But right before that, we see some things about heaven. So let's see in John chapter 14. In John chapter 13, he's been talking with his disciples about what is ahead and that he would be betrayed by uh, by one of them and that uh, one of them would deny knowing him. And, that is Peter, and other such things, some things that the disciples are upset about. He is going to die soon. 
That's very upsetting, of course, for the disciples. And so he tells them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go, excuse me, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So several things here in John chapter 14. We're going to look at some other passages as well, but I just want to make some notes as we look at a few different passages about heaven uh, from John chapter 14, several points. One is that we can have peace knowing what's ahead. Let not your hearts be troubled. And uh, thinking about the future, thinking about our real home, thinking about the fact that our lives here are just the tiniest, tiniest bit compared to what's ahead, not just in glory, but in duration, right? Our lives multiplied by a million is only the first time, the first day in heaven. And we've got unlimited am amounts of days in heaven. It's eternal, it's forever. And so the troubles we have here on earth are so small in light of eternity. They don't feel small to us, understandable. It doesn't take away from real griefs, real heartaches, real difficulties and troubles and tragedies. But in light of eternity, they will someday seem significantly smaller than what they are. And so we can have our hearts not be troubled. He tells that to the disciples. It's true for us that we can have peace. And one way that we can have peace is knowing what this passage is telling us. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You see a, a hint here at the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but it says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He says, for you. So for each of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and I'll just speak to you today as if we all have, not knowing for, you know, for sure whether or not that is the case. But um, for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, uh, we have this promise that Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. And so we will have a place there. First point, we can have peace. Second point, we will each have a place there. And, and another point it is it will be in our father's house, in my father's house. Now, most of us have had pretty good dads growing up. I don't know about all of you. Um, plenty of people had terrible dads. I had a fantastic dad. So some have terrible fathers who do awful things. I had one of my best friends in my whole life. He's with the Lord now, but his name is Gar, and he had a horrible father who did terrible things. But praise the Lord. The Lord used that to draw him to his head. 
to the heavenly father who became his father when he was a teenager, father in the Lord, um, or his, his heavenly father. And he trusted in Jesus Christ as a teenager. And uh, he's now with the Lord. But, um, but anyway, so some people have fathers no good. Some people have great fathers. Some people have fathers who are kind of in the middle. But our heavenly father is perfect. And think about your household growing up. I grew up fifth of six kids. And so three older sisters and older and younger brother. And we had a lot of wonderful times together, a lot of arguments together too, and a lot of teasing and so on. Uh, a few fights, very small squirmishes. And, uh, but a lot of wonderful times growing up. We'd go backpacking and hiking and go on camping trips. We would uh, have a lot of great meals together. And so a lot of fond memories of that sort of thing. Think of the, the best family memories you have. We're going to have better than that for all of eternity. And I think of my own household uh, that I, that Lynn and I raised the four kids and wonderful memories we had going on trips to Disney or to Bemidji, Minnesota or to the Boundary Waters and Linda didn't go to the boundary waters. I won't let her. Just kidding. But uh, she won't go there. My daughter won't go there. But my boys have all been there. And uh, going, you know, all sorts of great trips, family meals together, uh, fellowshipping in, at Atlantic Gospel Chapel together or in Dubuque as well, and, and other going to camps and so on. Wonderful, wonderful memories. But memories with a whole bunch of sinners. And won't it be nice when my kids are no longer sinners? They'll be really nice then. And I guess they'll like me even more in heaven as well. And we'll be with each other. And everybody will be perfect there. And not only that, but the father will be perfect. My kids grew up with an imperfect father. We'll be in eternity in the father's house. And he's the perfect father. Won't that be terrific? In his house are many rooms. And he and Jesus, and here's another point, is that Jesus is preparing our room. He was a carpenter, by the way, so he knows how to make rooms. And uh, he created this beautiful world. Just love driving along the Mississippi here and seeing the, the mounds. Uh, I forget what we call those, but in this whole driftless region of northeast Iowa and southeast Minnesota and parts of Wisconsin. Just a gorgeous place. Beautiful places all around the world to enjoy, and yet our heavenly home, I think, will be even more, we know it'll be even more spectacular. Jesus is preparing our room. Another point here that we see in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so he will come back and get us. Our place is no good if we never get to be there, right? But he's going to come back and get us. We say, come, Lord Jesus, quickly come. As kind of along the lines of what Al mentioned earlier, you know, it every day, it seems that it really be a nice time. You know, this would be a nice day for the Lord to come. Be really nice if, as I'm driving home today, all of a sudden, my car is empty and it goes careening off the road into the Mississippi River. What do you think? That'd be kind of nice. I don't want it to hit any the car of somebody who's left behind, but for those, you know, that'd be great. I'd, I'd be delighted. 
anyway, if, but someday that's going to happen, that he's going to take us and he says that where I am, you may be also. So here are some, some points here from this passage. Again, one, that we can have peace knowing this. Two, uh, uh, that we will have a place. Number three, it'll be in our father's house. Perfect family. Uh, ideal home life. Number four, Jesus is preparing our place. Number five, Jesus will bring us home. And number six, we will be with him. So those are a few points there about, about heaven there, just from John chapter 14. A lot to look forward to. Let's move on to another passage. One that I've officiated, I don't know, 20 or 30 funerals over the years, and probably every one we have read this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Maybe some of you already thought it when I mentioned funerals. Have you noticed this passage being read in a lot of funerals? <laughs> Rightly so. Uh, we're commanded there, are, there at the end, encourage one another with these words. So a funeral seems like a very appropriate time to encourage others with the words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It seems that the Christians of Thessalonica are concerned about their loved ones who were in Christ Jesus who have already died. That's what it I gather as, as I read here, seems like they think, oh, are we ever going to see them again? Uh, a few years ago, I was talking with an older brother in the Lord whose wife had already passed away. And he said somewhere he had heard some Christian, some preacher saying that when we go to heaven, we won't recognize one another because we're going to be just focused on the Lord or something like that. It sounds very spiritual, but I don't think it's accurate. As I see this passage and I see others like uh, Luke chapter 16, the parable of the unrighteous steward, it sure seems to me that we will, uh, we will get to be with our loved ones and we will recognize them and, and, and even complete strangers whom we have blessed you read Luke 16, whom we have blessed, will well, they will recognize us and, and, and eventually we will get to know them. We will be fellowshipping with one another, not just, primarily our thrill is going to be that we'll be with the Lord, but we'll also be glad to be with one another. And um, one another when uh, one another won't be, uh, have any sin to deal with anymore. So it'll be glorious. For that reason, so much more. It's with the Lord. That is, that is accurate. That's the bigger thing. But we will also enjoy being with one another. So in First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, in verse 13, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then. 
We who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, um, very encouraging words. So, someday, the rapture is going to happen. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, will, we will go up and uh, go up and we will be with the Lord. Those who have, those who have already fallen asleep, as this passage says, who are in the Lord, their bodies will be raised up, their, their soul will come down and be reunited with their glorified body. I think we, I guess we could put it that way. And we, we won't go up before them. They'll either be ever so slightly ahead of us or, or, or with us. But anyway, uh, we'll all go up and be with the Lord. And so there's great hope there for the Christians in Thessalonica and in Wabasha and Lake City and Dubuque and around the world. There's great uh, hope for us and encouragement there for us. He says, we will always be with the Lord. It says we will be with them there again in verse 17. Again, that idea, we, uh, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So, but we won't be preceding them by any means, it says. But we will be with them in the clouds, and then uh, we will be with the Lord. And then we, we see that we can find comfort. He says, encourage one another with these words, comfort and encouragement. And we also see, back to verse 13, that our grief is real and legitimate, but not like those who have no hope. And so those who are not in Christ Jesus, have, they, they do not have the same hope that we have. We know that we will get to be with the Lord and that if this loved one is in Christ Jesus, we will see that person again. So we're saying see you later, not bye forever. So in June of June five years ago, it was my parents' 60th wedding anniversary, and we had a big shindig for them. And my mom was very frail at the time. She she was in her her uh, wheelchair the whole time. And had a wonderful time. It was, she was very happy. It was a great time and, and big celebration. Well, the, the next day uh, I, I left. And so I went back to say goodbye to mom. And I gave her a hug and I said, see you later. And the last few years when I went to visit my folks, I would say, see, see you later. <laughs> and uh, because I knew that they might pass away before I get to see him again, but I will see them later. And so um, that was the last thing I said to my mom, or at least in person, might've called her another time or two, but it was only um, two or three weeks later that she did pass away on July 3rd. Uh, so um, it became, it really was see you later. And who knows, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be 50 years from now. Hopefully, um, Hopefully it'll be this afternoon that we all go and you can all meet my mom and uh, we'll be able to meet one another and, and even better, we'll be able to be with the Lord. So my hope when I, um, when it was time for mom's funeral was not like somebody who thinks, okay, that's it. She's in the ground. She doesn't, sir, uh, she doesn't exist anymore. I will never, ever see her again. 
My at worst, it'll be 50 years before I see mom. I'd be 105. I don't think I'll live that long, but who knows? But uh, that's about as bad as it gets as far as not getting to see my mom again. I'll see her again. So I don't grieve like those who have no hope. Our, our grief is real. It's legitimate. But it's not as desperate as those for whom that's it. That's it. Not seeing him again. How about uh, Luke chapter 15 for another passage about heaven? Little, just a few kind of assorted things about heaven. I don't know that we will have it to, to say we'll have parties in heaven. Maybe celebrations, at least I think we can say that. So let's see in Luke chapter 15, there are, there are were some, certainly some celebrations in Luke chapter 15. Um, the parable of the lost sheep and the shepherd has, has a hundred sheep and one gets lost and he goes and he finds the lost sheep. And it says, and when he comes uh, home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. So he's so happy and he tells his friends about it. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so what great joy there is in heaven when someone turns to Jesus Christ. Then there's the parable of the lost coins. And she has 10 silver coins. She loses one. Finally, she, she finds uh, that lost coin. And it says, when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Notice there's kind of a progression in what is said. Uh, it says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner. It says in verse 7, here it says, there is joy before the angels of God. There are many, many angels. But there's joy before the angels of God when somebody uh, repents. Uh, and so now then we see the parable of the prodigal son. And he comes back and there's a huge party. And the father even says in verses 22, it says, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Uh, excuse me, that's verse 22. He said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and, and so on. So they celebrate. Let's have a big party. Let's really go, just go crazy celebrating because my son was lost and now he is found. So there may well be even parties in heaven. I don't know. It doesn't say for sure, but we do, certainly do see that there is great celebrating in heaven when someone who is lost is found. So if uh, so, it may well be that when when we are there with the Lord, that we're in heaven, and we hear whether whether we pass away before the tribulation, you know, before the rapture, or or if we're raptured up and we're watching the tribulation, people will be saved during those years. I wouldn't count it on it if it's someone hearing the gospel and they haven't responded, and they they think, well, I'll respond when the rapture happens. Yeah, that's what I'll do. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it, you know. Uh, you're, uh, 
definitely taking your chances. Some theologians say that that's not even uh, a possibility. So, uh, but in any case, people will be saved. Maybe we'll be in heaven watching down and the Lord will say, hey, get ready. I'm going to show you a scene where somebody's about to turn to Jesus Christ. And maybe, maybe we're up there and we get to watch this holy moment of someone who is lost becoming found. I don't know, but we, we clearly, uh, it, it, you see that heaven is a place of celebrating salvation. And so, uh, wonderful, wonderful news. Let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. Well, let's go to verse 6. Well, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And I'll bet Al is not the only one here who frequently thinks, oh, Lord, I can't wait to be home with you. I hope, I hope we all have this a holy longing for being with the Lord. Hopefully, we also, are very like Paul, are very satisfied where we are while we are here to live as Christ, uh, to live as to live here on earth is to continue to serve the Lord wholeheartedly and give our lives like we thought earlier, giving ourselves to Him, placing ourselves on the altar before the Lord. But until then, or but but as we do so, we also look forward to this time when we are when we will be away from the body, and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For, and this gives us some motivation to continue to serve the Lord, and why Christians who are heavenly-minded are still earthly good. Look at verse 10. If we're heavenly-minded, we're going to be fantastic um, good to those who are on the earth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or, or evil. And so we want to build up rewards from the Lord. Um, and by serving people, that's a, a, a tremendous way to do, to do just that. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verses, uh, starting with verse 13, Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's, that's us as well. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Well, we have a heavenly home to, to look forward to and to, 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 to strive for, to work for, to desire and so that's a much 
better country. I love the United States of America. I'm grateful that's where I have grown up. Um, but I've got someplace much, much better to look forward to. How about uh, chapter 13, verse 14? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Here we have no lasting city. Any of the cities around the world could be instantly wiped out. The end of World War II, that happened on, on a couple of cities, right? In Japan, and um, or maybe more than that, but we have no lasting city. Any city we, we you know, here, whether it's Wabasha or New York City or something else, could be instantly wiped out. But we, we seek the city that is to come. Uh, we seek to be with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth and all that goes on with that, all of that. That's what we're really seeking. And Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3. Like I said, we'd be looking at a few different passages uh, this morning. So here's Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so that's a good kind of way to conclude this. We will naturally think of things of this earth, and we have to. Right? I'm going to be driving home. I do need to think about the road that I'll be driving on, right? And I don't want to end up driving accidentally to the Twin Cities or accidentally into the Mississippi River. Neither one of those would be good. One is worse than the other. But in any case, I need to think about where I'm driving. And uh, when you go to work, you do have to think about your job. And all of those things are legitimate. We have to have food. We live in a home. And uh, furthermore, there are people on earth who need to be served and that includes loved ones and complete strangers and and so uh, there's plenty of things about earth we need to continue to think about is paul is not suggesting we only think about heaven and that's all but that is but that that should be kind of the what we're in the in the back of our minds in the in the front of our minds at various times, of course, we have to concentrate on things of this world at various times, but let this, this future of ours be very much in our thinking, setting our minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth, setting our minds. And just to get specific how we can set our minds on the things above, one thing I really like about um, Hiawatha Bible Chapel here is your focus on verse memorization. That's a great thing. Um, our, our church in Dubuque has become, just over the past year or so, really become more focused on that. That's really been a good thing. We, uh, the church overall went all the way through the book of James, and I had oh, six or eight uh, verses and that was kind of a typical size. Different people had several verses to memorize. So we all, overall, memorized the book of James. 
they started the project out by saying, we're all going to memorize the book of James. And I think everybody was like, oh, <laughs> it can be done. Chuck Swindoll tells of when he was a boy, his grandmother, and he had a deal. Whatever he would memorize, she would memorize twice as much. So he memorized some book of the Bible. It was two chapters, and his grandma memorized the book of James. So it, it's a very doable thing. Anyway, oh, yeah. So you folks here have a real nice emphasis on memorizing the word of God. And that's great because that helps us to uh, have the, the word in our, our brains, in our minds. So it's easier to think about it, too. As it says, set your minds on the things above. When we think about television shows, maybe it's better if we sometimes are watching shows that, or even always are, are watching shows that are helping us to think of the things above. When we listen to music similarly and, and so on, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Let that be the overarching thing that we're thinking about the Lord and thinking about salvation and thinking about heaven and thinking about the future while we continue in this world serving God and serving people. I was listening to a podcast or something recently on heaven and it said, Ladies Home Journal, that was a magazine that used to be popular, might still be. My mom had, I remember as a kid, seeing Ladies Home Journal in our home all over the place uh, growing up. Ladies Home Journal years ago did a survey of their readers, and it said, uh, it asked, who are you most looking forward to seeing in heaven? 31% said mom. 16% said dad. Like usual, us dads are kind of ripped off, wouldn't you say, John? Only 10% said, I'm most looking forward to seeing my spouse. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know if any said Jesus. I guess it probably didn't have that as an option. I can only hope that that's the case. Otherwise, I hope there was a whole lot higher than 31% wanting to see Jesus. Uh, but who would we most look forward to seeing in heaven? Well, we Probably a whole lot of the time we think about looking forward to seeing our spouse or our parents or, or other loved ones. Most of all, it's going to be great to see Jesus. So um, a few weeks ago, my, my four-year-old grandson was talking to Linda. My grandson's name is Forrest. And he and Linda have a very close relationship. He's, he looked at her and he said, Grandma, you're going to go to heaven soon. And she thought that was funny. He said, because you're old. And when you're old, it means you get to go to heaven soon. He said, I'm young, so I've got a long time till I go. Well, he may be right. <laughs> I hope that uh, Linda and I and Forrest and all of you and, and all of us will very soon, maybe today, get to be with the Lord. We don't know when it'll be. Maybe it'll long, be a long time. But until then, we certainly have some things to, to do for the Lord, to serve others, to serve him, and some things to think about. Yes, we have to think about the earthly things, but also to think about the Lord, think about what we've got ahead for us.
to live for the things that are eternal, not the things that are now. So you, during the first service, we thought a lot about offering ourselves, placing ourselves on the altar, like Romans 12, 1, Mike mentioned. And when I was, uh, uh, when I was about 10, I got saved. But then um, when I was in junior high, I uh, basically lived for tennis. That was my favorite activity, right, ladies? You remember me mentioning that. Luke, you probably do from a uh, previous uh, year um, at, at camp. And uh, tennis was what I really cared about. My, I, I wasn't a wild and crazy kid. I wasn't out doing drugs or whatever, but I didn't do drugs, not because they were bad for me, not because the Lord didn't want me to do drugs, but because uh, it would be bad for my tennis game. <laughs> so I'm, I was doing the right things for the, uh, for the wrong reasons, you might say. Uh, but I, I, well, that's what I really cared about. So, um, but my, so, my sophomore year in high school, excuse me, my ninth grade year, I was delivering papers uh, uh, on a paper route and I had reached the bottom of the hill where I had to take a turn and I hit some gravel at the bottom of the hill just as I turned. And the tires slipped out and boom, landed the bike landed on my ankle broke my ankle that was the end of my tennis season and my sister said that's what you get for putting tennis ahead of the lord and um i know there's uh, scriptural commands against uh, sisters preaching in church but she would have been a good one uh anyway so that's what she said and i remembered what she said and a few months later was on a a church retreat with our youth group and there was a very stirring message that first night i remember laid in my bunk looked up at the ceiling realized i was living for something that doesn't last tennis doesn't last and um you know who cares five years from now whether or not you won a certain tennis match or even a whole tournament doesn't matter um a hundred years from now, it really won't matter. I, I hardly ever think about the little bit of success that I had in my tennis playing years. And I don't, I virtually never play anymore. So tennis has very limited value. But the things of the Lord are what matter and what really last. And so I prayed, Lord, I want to live for what lasts. I want to be the man you want me to be. I want to do the things you want me to do. That's a good prayer for me still to um, occasionally or very frequently pray. And it's a good prayer for us. Maybe that's a good way for us to close our time together. Dear Father, we thank you for this tremendous news of what's ahead for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. It's only by your grace, uh, only by your mercy through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his uh, coming and dying for us. Uh, thank you, Father, that he died for us and that he rose from the dead, that, um, that salvation is through him and that heaven is through him. And we look forward to when we will be, uh, be with you um, in a much more direct way than we can experience even right now. But in the meantime, Lord, let us enjoy your presence as we, as we uh, are with you. Uh, let us serve one another in the Lord and serve those who are not in Christ Jesus. And uh, Lord, let us spread the good news of how they can be saved. 
and let us uh, remind us, Lord, to live wholeheartedly for you. We want to be the people you want us to be. We want to be the men, the women, the boys and the girls that you want us to be. Lead us in that direction. Lead us to serve you wholeheartedly with all of our lives, with all, to love you with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength, and that we would um, give ourselves completely to you, even today and every day for the rest of our lives. We say, say, come, Lord Jesus, quickly come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.